Now, you probably know what the kingdom of God is about. The kingdom of God is about not being chained. They work so hard on these things. They do kind of have me caged in, don't they? (laughs) Not so much. It's not real metal. But the kingdom of God is stronger than any chain. What I want you to do this morning is to share your wisdom with those sitting on one side or the other. You kind of look at who's around you. Turn to the person next to you, and in a sentence or so, now don't go, you don't get to preach the whole sermon, I'm going to do that. But go ahead and turn to your neighbor and tell them something about the kingdom of God that you believe and is powerful in your life. Right now, just turn to your neighbor and tell them something about the kingdom of God. people start talking about the kingdom of God, trust me, they get a little nervous. I know that because for many of the past 35 years, everyone who's coming before the boards of ministry, whether it's on the district committee or on the conference board of ministry, gets to answer the question, what is your understanding of the kingdom of God? And it takes them a while to express what they're thinking. And if you think that's hard, you should see them trying to answer the question, what, what, how do you understand evil in our world? They hate that question, by the way. We're much better about talking about the love of God than we are talking about the evil in our world. That's also true of Christians. We struggle in the kingdom to deal with these two realities in powerful and purposeful ways that sound loving and graceful to everyone we might be discussing them with. I know that because I hear people messing it up all the time. They get the powerful part right or they get the evil part right. They have a hard time sometimes getting the graceful part right. Now, one of the things we pride ourselves on doing the United Methodist Church is not ignoring either one of those realities. We want people to claim the power of the kingdom of God and all that comes with it. We want them to offer the joy of standing strong in the kingdom of God with others so that they might experience it too. But we recognize it's a constant battle. And the reason it's a constant battle both within and around us is because evil is alive and well. Now, we don't like the word evil, so you pick the word you want. I'm going to use the word evil for a while. I may slip and start talking about the devil. If I do, don't run out. I might slip and start talking about just bad things happening to good people. Don't worry. I'm coming back to the evil word. Evil is a good word that encompasses, if I can spit it out, a lot of things. It can do with people can be evil. They really can. People can do evil things from time to time. In fact, it was such a problem even when Jesus was walking the earth that he felt it necessary to give them an agricultural explanation of it. And here's a simple explanation for evil in the kingdom that we live. Seeds were sown, and they were good seeds sown by God, and they produced the wheat that would nourish the people. But then when the crop came up, Darnell or weeds were found in the middle of the wheat. 
And Jesus said, not Doug Miller, not the United Methodist Church, not First Church Carol, not any. The, Jesus said, the weeds were there because the evil one put the seeds there. God did not do it. God did not and does not do it. That is United Methodist theology, and we believe it. And you see evil in your world, it's because of sin. And sin is because of evil choices that people make. It's not because of God. God didn't put us here so that we might become big sinners. Now, I know you've known a few people in your life. You thought that that was their calling in life was to be the biggest sinner you knew. And I don't know what they thought about you, but sometimes it might have looked like the same thing you thought about them. And that's one of the things that's the reason that Jesus said, don't start pulling up the wheat because you might be, or the weeds rather, so that the wheat can uh, spread because you might be taking the wheat with them. Have you ever thought that somebody that might be watching you and might be thinking you look more like a weed than like wheat? Some of your parents are going, yeah, I've seen my children act that way. Whoa. I see my youth act that way. Whoa. See, I told you these chains were no big deal. And the thing is that sometimes you've looked at your parents and you go, wow, what happened to the wheat person? I've got a weed person. My parent is a demon. They won't let me have the car. They're making me do back-breaking labor. They're not smiling. They're not happy with anything I do. I, I heard all that when I was a parent. I don't know where they got it. My children were a little challenged mentally, I guess. <laughs> After all, you know, you can look at me and tell that it would never be an evil thing to me, right? Other than maybe a bowl of ice cream occasionally or a donut or something like that. But my children every now and then would look at me and think like, Really? And I would look at them and think like, and say, really, really, I get it. I get you. It's a scary thing when your parents understand you better than you understand yourself. I know it's scary. And you probably don't believe it, and that's okay. You'll just be wrong for a few years. <laughs> there are, however, a few times when our children look at us and our youth look at us, and they're thinking, where did that come from? And you look at them and you say, it was my mama's fault or my daddy's fault. And they say, no, I think it's your fault. I've been living with you all my life and you're not looking much like a piece of wheat. You're looking like a weed. Yep, we do it, don't we, parents? What? I've looked at my wife sometimes and I know parents can act like a weed. And she's looked at me several times and thought I surely was the largest sunflower she had ever seen. <laughs> I remember a time in my life when certainly most of what I did made me look much more like a weed than it did a flower or a stalk of wheat. Some of you parents make you remember those days. I remember going to church but not really going to church. I remember being in the building. I remember hearing some of what was said, but for a long time I also remember not really hungering and thirsting for what the weird guy was saying up front. I tried to blame it on preachers, and I think it might have been, well, let's don't go there. 
There are preachers that sometimes make it hard for us to listen. I get that. Sometimes they've learned words that they're really proud of. They're long and they're complicated. I had a pastor once who had the greatest vocabulary that I've ever heard. And I heard a lot of it while he was our pastor. As I was growing up in that church as a young adult. Now the problem was this pastor had been an English teacher before he became a pastor. And he never knew a noun that didn't need three or four great adjectives before it. Now, if you try to keep up with what he is trying to say to you before he got through, I was worn out. And he was still trying to say what he was going to say. I say that to say this. First of all, he was a, one of the most on-fire men for the Lord I ever knew. I missed most of what he had to say because it was so hard to listen to him. I'm going to promise you one thing while I'm here. I'm so simple, and I'm so simple that you can't miss it. You don't have to listen very long, and you don't have to listen very hard, and you're going to have to work not to understand it, because I just think simply because I am simple. I've tried to forget almost every word that I learned at seminary. You'll be thankful for that. So many of them are just so not useful to people out of the pews, right? I mean, they say things in really strange ways. So I just kind of talk like I was raised out in the country. And my wife says, you sure sound country. And I said, darling, I am country. I came from the country. They have my picture in the word in the dictionary. Country is where I am. And now I'm in the city. I don't know how I got here. God has many ideas of jokes in his life. This is one of them. <laughs> so don't worry. I, too, will pass away before it's all over. But on my way, I want to be sure you understand this. It's not going to be easy to stand strong in the kingdom of God. If you think it is, then you're standing in a different kingdom than I walk in. Standing in the kingdom of God takes some undergirding. It takes people to remind you to pray. It takes people to remind you when you're so acting like something else that God still loves you. It takes people to remind you that you need the community to stay strong and to stand strong. That you're not going to grow and mature into the big parable that we've just read. You're not going to be the mustard seed that turns into the tree unless you practice standing strong. The Bible is more than a decoration for your home. It's more than something to impress somebody with. It is God's word to your heart and to your mind and to your life. And only as you absorb it, I don't mean just memorize it. Memorizing is great. But I mean it only when you absorb it into your being can you begin to think and to act like Jesus did. You notice Jesus referred to the Old Testament scriptures a lot. He quoted them a lot, but he used them in such a way that the disciples were astonished at the way he taught. Because you see, he didn't just say the words, he lived the life that was a reflection of the truth behind the words. It's easy to learn the words. And I know preachers are really impressive that quote a lot of scripture. I remember going to a certain flavor of church. I like to speak of denominations like flavors. I don't know about you, but I do. I know what, when I walk down here, I'm, I get to go to the darkness, and so I'm all right with that. Uh, if you can't see me, just imagine I'm six foot four and handsome and young, and I'll be okay, all right? <laughs> I remember thinking about the Scriptures and what the Scriptures could mean, and I remember people talking about them, and explain them to me. And, and it seemed rather wooden. And, and you know, as more I've studied Scripture through the years, I've understood that Jesus wasn't wooden. 
He wasn't wooden at all. He wasn't a stick figure. He was a man that had heart and flesh and blood. He cared about everybody. He cared about people that wouldn't have been let in the front door this morning. He cared about them regardless of how they smelt or about how they looked or about how they dressed. He cared about them when they didn't even think he was anybody. He cared. And that's what made Jesus different than anyone else. And Jesus would rather eat a frog than make someone feel uncomfortable with his righteousness. He didn't pick out the city people to make them look bad. He offered those people who were trapped in sin the power to break free from it. And the kingdom of God and the church of God must do the same thing if we're going to be the people of God. We cannot be content just to be standing strong for ourselves. We have to be strong for others. We have to live in such a way that our face lights up a room, not with judgment, but with joy. Not with condemnation, but with a grace that lifts people up by our very presence. We have to live in such a way that people invite us to their parties even though they know we're a Christian. I'm proud to say I get invited to most parties. So if y'all are having one, my address is at the church office. You can get it. <laughs> and even if you're having one of them big old sinning parties, you know, that we're not supposed to talk about in church, I like to come there too because this is a great place to have a lot of fun with people who think you can't do that as a preacher. Right, darling? That's right. That's right because that's true for everybody. Where people gathered, Jesus came. He didn't come to tear down everything there. He came rather to build it up and to change the direction that the party was to go. That's called the kingdom of God. That's the kingdom of God that grows like a mustard seed and becomes a tree that nations will find their nests in. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a time when we have to make judgment, especially with our teenagers. (laughs) Just making sure you're listening. And especially with our parents. Is that better? Okay. All right. Because, you see, we all are prone, every last one of us, the short ones in our midst, the tall ones in our midst, the old ones in our midst, the young ones in our midst. We are everyone prone to look like a weed. Not on Sunday morning. I get that. We're pretty good wheat bearers on Sunday morning. We look like Christians. We sing like Christians, we pray like Christians, we act like Christians. But if when you go back to work and you work with some of the kind of people I work with, I mean, boy, you should see them in the church office when y'all aren't looking. Whoa, (laughs) man. All except for, which ones are here? All except for Rebecca and except for Cindy and whoever else on staff is here. If they're not here, Cindy Johnson isn't here. She can really look like a weed. That weed that sometimes looks that way, most of the time, like last week, lays out its leaves and gives its life for the children of this church. As she said, she was reacting to medicine at home. That's why she's sick. I think she's probably worn out from what she just did for five days, but I'm going to take her word for it because I'm just kidding about the weed part. That woman is weeding the garden in the lives of our children. She's a precious gift to us because we all need a little gardening, right? Mm -hmm. 
I love this part about started out so small, the mustard seed. Because you see, there were many, many days in my life the kingdom was so small, not very many people could see it. Maybe my mama. I'm certain my daddy wasn't seeing it much. It was so small. And it didn't, it didn't mature on natu- necessarily the same pace as everybody else's seed grows. You know, I see your youth, and quite frankly, don't tell them, but I'm pretty impressed with them as a group. They act so much older than themselves, and I'm trusting that they're really pretty normal. They, they just happen to be very Christian also, and I'm impressed with that. I don't want us to lose that. But not every youth grows up that way. I know some youth who have the smallest seed growing in their hearts and minds of what living with Christ can be like. And they don't get a lot of help in watering that seed. They don't get a lot of help in bringing sunshine into their life. Some of them have to struggle every day in the house they live in. They have to struggle to feel loved. It's not the same kind of treatment I got. I was very blessed. I had two normal Christian parents that took me to church and exposed me to all the right things. It just took a while for this stubborn, hard-headed person to let it begin to take a few roots. So all during my ministry, I had a heart for the people who seemed to be covered up in weeds, but I believe behind the weeds is a plant that is a seed that needs to be nurtured. I believe that in every person there's a spark of God that if watered and cared for sufficiently, most often it will grow into a tree that is beautiful to see. Now, I know that some people make evil choices, and I've had to accept that. I don't like it, quite frankly. I'd rather be a Presbyterian at that point and just make them believe, but... Quite frankly, the book just says that won't work. It's not the way Jesus did it, so therefore I don't get to do it that way either. All I can do is just keep shoveling the seed, the fertilizer and the water, just shoveling it out there and be sure that I make sure that I'm smiling upon it everywhere it goes because that smile of grace has changed the life of many a hard-headed person. The thing that just gets my attention about this passage of Scripture is that at the end, it talks about one who can judge between the weeds and the wheat. I know that Judgment Day, for those who believe, is a glorious affirmation and a going home to be with the Lord. I I get that, and that's, that's a powerful thing to hold on to. But Judgment Day is also the end of the opportunity for a lot of people to believe. And I don't know how in heaven, how on the other side of this earth, when that kingdom has come fully and we're there and we have realization of those that didn't make it, I don't know how God makes that all right in our hearts. I know God does and I trust God for that. But it's very sad to me to think about those that might not be there with us. You know, it's even sadder for me is that there might be one that's not there because of what I said or what I did or what I didn't say 
or what I didn't do with my life, that if I'd just done a little something different, they might have said yes to. You're brave. Here it is in the middle of July. You're filling up the building. I, I'm, I'm impressed by all of that. I, I'm hardly waiting till we have to do this twice every Sunday morning because the room is running over with people who are running to the kingdom. Now, be clear about this. I'm not going to bring up enough people to fill up this building. The only people who can fill up this building besides God and His Spirit is sitting right where you're sitting. It's when you share the kingdom with other people who need to hear it both the believers and the completely unbelievers. It's only when you bring them into this house. It's only when you introduce them to this family. Only when we get them here together that they'll have the chance to hear clearly the Word of God that is not judgmental but graceful. The Word of God that not only says we love them but shows we love them. The Word of God that not only says we want you to be a part of our family but opens the doors of this church in every room, in every building, and in every way to say, God is waiting for you, and in God's name, so are we. You are welcome in this family of faith, just as you are, because that's the way Jesus accepts you too. And then we'll go forward together. I'm excited about that. Don't tell your neighbors sitting next to you, but y'all are a pretty impressive group. Y'all seem to love Jesus. I'm looking forward to the ways in which we get to affirm that as we pull it together and shape it into ministries that say to those poor people who don't know it's Sunday morning, they think it's Sunday morning. We know it's Sunday morning. It's Easter. It's Easter morning. Every Sunday, Resurrection Day, we matter. We care. We need to say that to the world. We don't have to go to church. We come to church because we need to come to church, and we want to come to church. We come to church to be filled up with the Word of God, to be filled up with loving grace, and to go out and to share that loving grace with others. We just didn't show up. We came body, mind, and soul. Gracious God, for these, your children who are here today, I thank you for each of them for their unique gifts, for those that come to offer themselves to you, to lay down their life, to make a difference in your world. For each and every one of them, for the unique way in which you spiritually gifted them to change your world, for the unique way in which you called them and equipped them physically, emotionally, and spiritually to be an instrument of your hands. I give you thanks and praise for the way they love, for the way they serve, not only here, not only in this church or in this community, but around your world. I give you thanks and praise. I lift Chiv up to you this morning, Lord. He's starting a new ministry today in the, in the Cambodian church here in Carrollton. They needed a strong pastor, and so he's gone to be with them to serve part-time there even as he continues to serve with us, Lord. You have sent him to that place as surely as you have sent him to us. 
So bless him as he prepares to lead them in worship, wherever part he might be in it today. Let his ministry flower in Carrollton, even as it has in Cambodia. May his love be shown for others, even as you've shown your love in him. Now, Lord, if there's someone here today, anyone, anyone who's not right with you, let them know today is the day to get right with you. If they've never accepted the waters of baptism, if they've never proclaimed their love for you, let them know that today is the day that you are here to receive them when they respond. If there's anyone here, Lord, who's wandering around in your world, this part of your kingdom, looking for a place they can belong, they love you, but they don't know where they'll ever find a family that will accept them, let them know right here is the place, right here is a family, and we will welcome them in Christian love. Just let them come, Lord, as we stand and sing together our closing song. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.